Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What we are not going to do on this podcast is talk about Trump. If you want to hear Trump stuff, go to Higher Learning. Go to the Press Box. Go to the Bakari Sellers podcast. All of, the, all of them did great jobs this week. Um, yesterday was a new low for a guy who has repeatedly given us new lows. Yesterday was one of the darkest days in American history. And uh, I'm still kind of reeling from it. And I have nothing interesting to say about it other than uh, we just got to get to the finish line and and try to move on and try to figure out how to rebuild all the stuff that's been broken over the last few years. So, um that's it. Pearl Jam. It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast, starring Dave Schilling, Sharon Wright, Khalid Reeves, Joey Devine. Galen Nickerson, Sean L. Scott, Sean Keen, Lawrence Thunderbird, Yinka Dare, special guest Casey Taylor, Patreons Ned Grade. Thank you, Ned. Your grade is an A plus. William Cheney, or maybe you go by Bill. Thank you, William slash Bill. Musical guest, The Verb. And now the temporary host of Round Ball Rock, Joey Devine. Hi, it's me, Joey Devine, your temporary host of the Round Ball Rock podcast. And you heard it here first we've got a special guest oh well, i guess you heard it from don pardo first we've got a special guest today uh a real life writer for deadspin he's written for the new republic am i correct about that yeah yeah that's that's a big deal <laughs> and of course his his number one credit uh is of course uh corbin a smith being mean to him on the quarantine cast uh <laughs> 
and our blog, round ro- roundballrock.net. Casey Taylor is here. Hi, Casey. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. Um, and then, of course, we're always here, too, with a writer, a performer, a comedian, an, a babysitter, uh, a, a, a song maker, a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a Don Pardo ghost, my co-host, Sean Keen. Sean, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. My, uh, my little sister got the COVID vaccine yesterday. Oh, that means, uh, nothing for you. Well, I mean, I guess you, it means it's going to guarantee your sister doesn't get covid so that's a positive yeah but i i'm i'm very weirdly enough joey podcasters slash uh freelance writers slash uh under the table uh children's nannies Mm -hmm. are not very high on the covid list yeah i i looked where (laughs) i was and it was like there are 37 million people in california that will be ahead of you Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also did the opposite of giving a pregnant woman a COVID vaccine, as UCSF did, and I took my three-year-old nephew uh, to the p- playground at Dolores Park. Oh, wow! And uh, now he's addicted to weed. I was gonna say, <laughs> no, I don't. I was... <laughs> it would have been so funny if that truffle man was still there at that mm-hmm. abandoned park. I mean, I think people are probably still going to the park. It was just Sean. Very you muddy should. Yesterday. You have to. You can't just assume people know what the truffle oh, man and I'm Dolores sorry. Park you're right, is. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Dolores Most of park... our listeners are in Portland, Oregon. Y- yeah, you're off. right. Or <laughs> or Senegal. So that that is important. Um, Dolores Park is this park in the mission, the top of the mission. It's right between the Castro. And the Mission District in San Francisco. And uh, it is normally a place that uh, hipsters go to uh, drink illegally and smoke weed and just uh, leave the park pretty wrecked. Oh, I guess some people are going to be playing bocce. And there's like a part of the park where people are actually playing soccer and tennis. But well, famously, for the most part, from an NBA standpoint, it's I believe it was two finals ago. Oh, it uh, was yeah. in the NBA news because Clay Thompson was there during the day before okay. a finals game with Andy Milanakis, and he was playing the trumpet. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, that's is that the last time Andy Milanakis has been in the news? Uh, well, I believe he stormed the Capitol yesterday. So, oh, you're right. No. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and anyway, Dolores Park, uh, I, I don't, I have not lived in San Francisco for a while, but uh, it was known for uh, the two most famous uh, entrepreneurs in Dolores Park was the cold beer, cold water guy, mm-hmm. who just had a big-ass cooler full of water bottles and beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get the alcohol and beverage control on him, but it was highly illegal. And then well, I um, work for the ABC, and don't worry, I already shut him down. <laughs> oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, he he went to jail right at the beginning of the pandemic because yeah, yeah. uh, that that water cooler, it, I mean, like literally a cooler of water is a super spreader. So um, and then there was a guy who was just this beautiful man. Um, he seemed like he was possibly Caribbean, possibly every race at the same time. And he would sell these like gourmet uh, weed infused chocolate truffles that he carried in uh, like brass pots at the end of uh, at each end of a long pole. 
So it, it just seemed like he could have been selling them at any time in history, too. Um, extremely potent uh, chocolates. So I did not get a three-year-old high, though. That was that was yeah, that was uh, in, case, good. Case, yeah. in case it's wondering. Well, d- uh, well I, if you were, don't worry, I would. In- if you did, don't worry, I would ensure that everyone called you a terrorist. Yes, that's um, true. It's the important. most important thing <laughs> going on right now is the choice of words uh-huh, we yeah. use when talking if, about things. Um, the more ways we can find, I think, to uh, send people to, to CIA black sites, mm-hmm. I uh-huh. think the better. I think right now we don't have a diverse enough coalition of people that we're <laughs> able to just kind of disappear yeah, yeah. from public. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. I mean, we're like joking around about this, but when I, I started working at... Um, an appellate law firm nonprofit, like uh, pretty soon after 9-11. And uh, one of the first cases I had to work on, uh, we were appealing in part because the prosecutor. So there was this used to be on the book, you, you making terrorist threats. And this guy had been arrested for a DUI. And at some point during his drunken arrest, he yelled, I'm going to kill you at a cop. And so he was, they tried to give him like five extra years for making terrorist threats. And it worked. But uh, our appeal was based on the prosecutor saying, like, well, it, a lot of people don't know what terrorist threats mean. But, um, you know, were you, were you guys watching on 9-11? Because uh, those guys were terrorists, too. And, like, juries just nodded along. I just remember there was a point when he said, a lot of people have different definitions of terrorism. But mine is trying to make someone do something they don't want to do. <laughs> so that's ter- that's terrorism. So I guess in, in that sense... These people were terrorists, but yeah, yeah, we don't. I, look, we 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 are partially sponsored by the uh, you know the the prison industrial complex. We we make sure. no no, right, yeah, yeah. We, but only license plate manufacturing. Okay, we we keep it above board. But yeah, the answer is not going to be like, why why aren't we prosecuting people more in this country? <laughs> why didn't the cops shoot them? There was that not was enough the weirdest thing to me. Is oh, like. Yeah. People's disconnect. I guess we should mention for people in the future oh, listening right. we're to recording this. this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're recording this the day after uh, a mob of uh, doughy creepazoids, uh, <laughs> like the worst people on earth, uh, stormed yeah. the Capitol. Um, and uh, to me, the Storm- weirdest thing was was I saw so many of my friends who spent all summer complaining about police brutality being like why aren't the cops just shooting these people yeah yeah Yeah. uh, hey what are we doing and it's like you took the wrong the (laughs) we want the cops to not be shooting anyone not like Uh well why don't we treat the white people the same way we treat the the black protest it's like no Yeah, so we many people find, we need to equally oppress everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I many people are secretly cops. That's what I learned yesterday. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you better call them terrorists. And then you just see a picture of a guy uh, with a bunch of tattoos and uh, Viking horns uh-huh. sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? I don't think he's a terrorist. I just I think like that look. That look to me says uh, like maybe like. Trying to go viral on TikTok, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. That guy's like a weird person that should be avoided, but also like maybe is not a fucking terrorist. Maybe he doesn't know enough about what they even want out of life to terrorize someone into doing it. Yeah, 
I mean, there were there were definitely some people who had extremely bad intentions, but I really think a large majority of people were, you know, misguided and everything, but also just kind of like showing up to protest. Well, they're you know? also that first off, though, I don't even think my problem was we should not be <laughs> even be calling this a protest. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it no wasn't way. a protest. I don't know what it was. It was a riot. But, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it like, was like, yeah. remember in Bush v. Gore, do you remember the Brooks Brothers riot? It was like <laughs> the same, but also the opposite of that. It was like the Tommy Bahama riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like weird because it's like too dumb to be an insurrection, too right. like too unorganized to be a coup. But it also like I don't want to downplay how serious and terrible it was but at the same time it, it i guess what was always so weird to me about like the footage that came out is like not again not downplaying because i know there were people with like guns like shooting into the chamber and that's like terrifying but uh -huh. there's also like a whole other group of people that were like i'm just gonna go to nancy pelosi's office and uh you know Put take a big shit on, on the desk, desk. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's like oh what okay why are you doing what is that gonna do man it's what are just you doing? it's like it's real life shit posting honestly like just yeah. that's that's what it is it's yeah so um and it was a lot of people who uh i don't i don't know like like in general i was kind of like like am i am i really that upset about the idea that people hate Congress. Like I, I hate the Democrats <laughs> in Congress. Like, like same team, just, uh, well, Ted Cruz just happens to not be my, well, I, I don't know. Same team, but like, but like I, I could see myself being happy about people, uh, making, making like congressmen afraid. I just would have hoped it was about like stimulus checks and not, certifying but like the weirdest thing is like the protest is about uh if you like go down to the you know people are mad about the election being stolen but if you come down to like the specifics of it it's like people are mad about um the minutia of election law mm -hmm. and that seems like such a weird thing to be storming the capitol for just like the signatures didn't match you need an eight-day waiting period to authorize an absentee ballot, not six. Now, uh, I don't want to downplay the, like, actual scary part of what was going on yesterday, yeah. which is, oh, yeah, like... because if, if people had been more organized, it could have been, like, really disastrous. Right, because, like, there is, like, the nugget of that all came from these creepy right-wing horrible forums that planned the day. Uh, yeah, it so just like, happens know. to be that, like, the pawns in their army are, like, 75-year-old people on Facebook who are, like, yeah. the dumbest people on Earth. The, the Zuckerberg riots. That's what it really was. <laughs> like, every every insidious aspect of it was is very real. And, yeah. like, the organizers of it are, like, the scum of the Earth. Yes. But, yeah, I guess that's what makes the whole thing have a darkly comic element is, yeah, like... the. The only people they're able to recruit into their dumb fascist neo-Nazi army are people that like feel like they don't even know what Nazism is. They just are like, oh, I saw this meme on Facebook about like, uh, you know, one of the signatures was a Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. So this is all fucked up. And now I'm just going to go to I'm going to spend two grand on a plane ticket to D.C. and get the plague. 
so that the game show guy can still be president. And it's like, well, all right. You know, I don't know, man. That seems like a bad all around. Yeah. Whatever. On the plus side, we have some reader mail from our good friend Katie Heindel. Should we play that, Sean? (laughs) Yeah, let's get into it. Pearl Jam. Sean and Joey can't come to the phone right now, but luckily phones are the domains of me, a robot. If you know the extension of Tillman Fertita, please dial it now. Press 1 to have a single beer with Zach Lowe. Press 2 for Senegal-related inquiries. Press 3 for Movie Times read by Brooke Lopez. Press 33 to hear problematic things Bill Simmons wrote in the early 2000s. Press 0 at any time to leave a message for Sean and Joey. That's right, you two can leave a message for Sean and Joey, just dial 323-682-0342. Once again that number is, 323-682-0342, please give me a call, being a robot is a solitary road. Hey guys, just real quick, uh, I need you to answer a question for me. Remember that time we all talked about um, American accents uh, and how many there were and like you did some pretty good impersonations, I think. Um, I don't know, I think we got into like origins. Anyway, um, I need to know and understand better what kind of accent Nick Cage's character was trying to go for um, in Con Air, which I watched recently, and it really threw me for a loop in terms of where he belongs. Something like an ancient southern gentleman, but also like antebellum, but maybe also like peanut butter in his mouth. Anyway, um, if you could just get back to me on that, I would really, really like to know. Uh, I was trying to think of like an NBA association for it, but I can't think of one. Okay, love you guys. Bye. All right, that voice you heard was the host of a basketball, uh, basketball feelings, uh, dot substack dot com. Um, uh, what's her new column called, Sean? Uh, not bad advice on uprocks. Yes. Uh, uh, Katie Heindel, and she'd been on the show before asking about um, American accents because she's Canadian. Mm-hmm. And Sean. What do you think? What kind of accent do you think Nick Cage is going for in Kong? Um, you know, the thing that I really thought, it it reminded me of if um, Foghorn Leghorn was a little bit intoxicated and like like maybe even on like a little bit of heroin because it's not a reasonable accent. It's very much like someone, try- like it's a slowed down version of of almost like a civil war general out at accent, I think. Mm-hmm. Casey, do you have anything to say uh, about uh, Nicholas Cage's very, accent? It's not easy to place because he's not like doing. It's not like a real accent. It's like a stage play, like streetcar named Desire mm-hmm. accent. I feel like I heard him one time, or no, I actually I heard the interview with the director david gordon green talk about talking to him about acting on the uh on in on the movie joe and david gordon green said that nicholas cage described his acting style as american kabuki that's actually pretty good like yeah that, that's how i put it 
I mean, like, I, I feel like his, uh, like, two things, because I, I deeply respect uh, Nick Cage's craft, is, like, I feel like, A, it wasn't a real accent, and he was just doing, like, here's what Northerners think Deep South people sound like, mm-hmm. and that's, like, this is what a community theater guy in Minnesota, this is what he would do as a Southern voice. And, like, but also, I can't discount the fact that maybe he meant to do that because I he's think like, he means to do it. Yeah, uh, that's the craft. To like, me, so, the like, Nick Cage accent isn't even the most troubling accent in Con- in the movie Connor. Well, are you talking about John Malkovich? No. It's anytime oh, okay. they force Cole Meany to do an American accent, oh, to me, yeah. it's really terrible. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> Well, so the two stories about prep for Con Air that I know is Nick Cage made this right after The Rock, and he apparently was so excited about it. He went to Alabama right after The Rock wrapped uh-huh. uh, to, like, really hunker down and work with this dialogue coach. And he doesn't pay a lot of attention to the vowel sounds that would have made it more important. Uh, the other thing I heard was that um, Ving Rames when he got cast... Um, had visited some prisons and talked to like two hardened criminals and then found out John Malkovich was going to be in the movie and called him to talk about what their preparation was going to be. And Ving Rhames was like, you know, I got to build that psychological profile. I've got a couple more prison visits. And he says, what are you going to do? And John Malkovich just says, I'm not planning to do any preparation. Like, like I'm just going to act like John Malkovich. That's that's what I'm doing this movie. He was also apparently very concerned uh, during the the production because the they rewrote the dialogue a lot. Weird, weird that that would happen on Con Air. But uh, he was worried about the continuity of his performance mm-hmm. and would argue with the director. And then they'd say that eh, it's, it's Con Air, dude. Um, I would say I would I kind of think Nicolas Cage's entire accent is made up and he's just affected it because the problem is oh like even his normal voice yes like his normal speaking voice he does like a combination Brando Elvis like Christopher Reeves and he's like from Los Angeles like he's not (laughs) um and he likes to sound kind of like a cartoon anyway. Yeah, he's got like a whole like mumbly Elvis thing, right? Because Elvis yeah. is his, Elvis and Superman are his two biggest heroes. That's true. Um, so partly what's going on with the accent is a man doing two fake voices at the same time. Is he's like <laughs> yeah, putting an accent on top of an accent that he doesn't have? <laughs> uh-huh. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that's our answer, right? Like, Nicolas Cage is a dialect in and of himself. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also think that maybe uh, this is early into Nicolas Cage's steroid phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that is also maybe affecting uh, some of this, too. Well, we'll have to say uh, when we watch the new Marvel movie starring <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani. All right. <laughs> Who, that a, would be so great. A man who now <laughs> looks like Nick Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. That is what. Uh, <laughs> he looks like he ate Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> what 
when we when we met him, he was hosting a comedy show in the back of a comic book store, uh-huh. and now he is a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, Sean, we got to blow through this news because we got yeah. These are all we got a big episode here. Um. Yeah. So let's play the news drop. Pearl Jam. This is round ball rock news, basketball news for humans and robots. Trust the process. All right, Sean, what's our first piece of news? Uh, Becky Hammond became the first woman to coach an NBA team when Greg Popovich got kicked out of the game. Um, and because and he- Tim Duncan quit, because when this happened last <laughs> year, Tim Duncan took the reins. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh which is cool. I mean, it's not like it. It it's one of those things that probably shouldn't be a big deal, but actually is a really big deal yeah. and is cool. And yeah, it's uh, cool. Read Katie Heindel's interview with her at uh, at Dime on Uprocks. Yeah, yeah. check it out. Uh, we have pit. We we have uh, pimped out more Katie Heindel writing than we have Casey Taylor writing. This is bad. Well, Sean. And honestly, That's maybe a- Sean Keen writing too. Yeah. but what's <laughs> What's better than a Katie Heindel article? You know uh, what I mean? Casey, uh, what's your latest article? Uh, Throw it out there. I, the, I wrote about restaurants for the New Republic last month, but I don't think it's better than a Katie Heindel. She's very good. Yeah, she's yeah. the best. So, but it, you know, I feel like it's a it's a it's a good desert teeth to a a Katie Heindel article. You know, read about uh-huh. uh, uh, Becky Hammond and then go get depressed that your local restaurant is probably gonna not survive this. Yeah. Hey Casey, once your sh- has anyone bought your shoe thing yet about how everything in the world is controlled by shoe? Uh, uh, no, shoe but I'm also uh, <laughs> what I tend to do when I have a good idea is I pitch really ambitious and then like get rejected there first. So like you know I got rejected by the New Yorker today, which was expected, but like mm-hmm. you know I was gonna try, and now like I'll start pitching to editors that I actually know and like instead of trying to get into you know, the elitist magazine that doesn't like me. Because I've been trying to buy a PlayStation 5 even now. Because I know that stimulus check is about to hit. And every time I just see it on StockX for $1,200. And I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) I still don't understand why that's better for shoe companies. What do you mean? What? Like, Like, why? Sorry, why having that bizarre... Everything out of stock, rarity thing is better for shoe companies than just uh, not like shoe making... companies. People that bought those shoes, so like the whole. Oh thing, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, sorry. It's like they basically, since they've been doing this for years, since sneaker drop culture has existed forever, it's like they're the ones that know basically how to hack Shopify and secure a shitload of stock or like how to take advantage of like really bad checkout security so that you can like automate the checkout process and shit. Uh, And that's why we're out of PlayStation fives, Sean, because everything was sold. Like everything is now sold like shoes now. So the shoe, the shoes buyers are hoarding everything. Got yeah, it. I, like thought, Walmart, I thought you were talking. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Walmart and Target aren't like, because they don't want people camping out for these releases like they would for like the PS4 back then. Because mm-hmm. they don't want like everyone to die. So like they're now everything went to e-com. So now all the people that were set up to basically rob e-commerce marketplaces uh-huh. are just like controlling all that stock and making a killing on it. 
Guys, so, was the internet a bad idea? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, going full circle, everything that happened at the Capitol yesterday also couldn't have happened without the internet. So, like, it's, nothing's really working out except for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Which would otherwise just be me and Joey yelling in the in the town square. Yeah. <laughs> Just like tape recording a, a, a phone call. No, we'd be in a yeah. black box theater and two people would be watching. <laughs> we did that for 10 years, Sean, before podcasts <laughs> existed. <laughs> um, Sean, what's our next news story? Uh, Todd Gibson is back, baby. He signed with the Knicks. Uh, he is reunited with Coach Tibbs. Fun stat. Uh, Taj Gibson started 56 games last year, and that was the most for anyone that was still unsigned by a pretty large margin. Um, and uh, as a result, they needed they needed a big man because they have a bunch of injuries. And Joey, you're not going to believe this, uh, but Julius Randle has been playing a lot of mim- minutes uh-huh. for, for Tom Thibodeau. But that's not going to change. Like, no, he's now no, just going to be playing those minutes with Taj Gibson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, Joey, some sad news. Uh, the Knicks will be releasing former Warriors star Amari Spellman. Star a favorite is, uh, of both of star's a, I don't know about star, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and according to the article about the trade in the uh, America's favorite newspaper, the New York Post, <laughs> He didn't report to the Knicks in good shape. That's, I gotta say, not really a shocker. Look, Amari Spellman is the new Mo Spates. He's gonna come back somewhere. Um, He's gonna come back somewhere and be out of shape, but still knocking down threes off the bench for somebody. Um, Would you say you were more disappointed that the Warriors, that was like the most disappointing part of the Andrew Wiggins trade for you? Yeah. Losing Amari? yeah yeah for sure because it was like a cheap guy like luckily they found marquise chris but like they just didn't have any like young guys who appeared to have any nba skill at all whatsoever except for amari spellman at the time and it was like well you just gave away an asset to get 600 you like you gave away a guy you might be able to help turn into an NBA player uh, to get, like, $1,000 under the luxury tax or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... um. He did not seem like a guy who... I mean, a guy like Amari Spellman probably needs to be, like, at a team facility. A guy who, like, admit did lose, like... Didn't he lose, like, uh, 50 pounds from, like, June to the, se- yeah. the beginning of the season last mm-hmm. year? But not a guy that, like, everybody gained 15 pounds in the pandemic. So well, that's... definitely not a guy that you want the Minnesota Timberwolves being near either. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or the New York Knicks, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better off for him. <laughs> yeah, he needs a better franchise. I mean, he, he made, I'm looking at, like, his number jump from his first year to last year. Like, it's pretty good. You know, yeah, I feel like he could be all right. He's obviously, a, I mean, same thing. As, you know, I don't know. I'm like, maybe he could be something, but he's obviously, a, uh, he likes to eat. So you got to work on that. He's a tall guy who shoots threes and gets rebounds. Like, there's a place for that in the league. Uh, yeah. Not if I have anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right, Sean, let's do one more news story. Yeah, let's just do this. Let's talk about... I mean, I don't really have anything to say about Markov Fultz tearing his ACL, yeah. except that it sucks. Oh. Uh, but you know okay, what? Casey I, does. Casey's a, a Sixers fan. So... Well, <laughs> no, I just feel bad. It sucks. I mean, like, I, I don't have that much more to add to it. I do feel like it's... I feel like it says a lot about Fultz that even though it fucked us so bad, I I don't know a single Sixers fan that isn't like really rooting for him. So I just feel like it says a lot about how he's, he's not a piece of shit. He seems like a really good, like a solid dude. He was always like super charming when he was there. Seemed really funny. The locker room loved him. So it just always, I was like, I was really excited that he looked like, you know, not yet, all-star but like you saw the potential that could have made him an all-star player this year in orlando and it was yeah it just sucks that now he's having another setback and you already saw like how he struggled mentally with the last one and it's hard to like you know it's hard to predict did he get did he learn from that so that he'll just bounce back or is it just gonna kind of avalanche on him yeah yeah and he was getting he looked he really seriously improved last season too and he was better this year so yeah, it just sucked because it felt like he was really turning the corner to be, you know, the the upgrade in his shooting was he still wasn't a great shooter, but it was dramatically better. So, yeah, I mean, it was it's it was a it was a jumper, you know, and that yeah, he didn't yeah. have that. And it was like it was serviceable. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, so the last thing I want to talk about, Joey, is that uh, there's a big story about how the Celtics debated not playing their game with the Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Jared Weiss's article at The Athletic. Uh, Brad Stevens said, We scrapped warm-ups, sat in the locker room, and talked. To be honest, at 30 minutes, I didn't think we were playing. Coaches left the room, players finished talking, and chose to play. I called my wife and told her I don't think we're playing, and 10 minutes later, we had decided to. Uh, here, I have a couple questions. But one of them is, is this the Danny Ainge of protests? And what I mean by this is, Leaking to the media about how they would have protested, but ultimately didn't. But they were so close to a boycott. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the Celtics every trade deadline. Uh, this article also said that they would have boycotted games in the bubble, but the Bucks just beat them to it. But they would have. <laughs> it just seems like such a weird thing to even brag about. I you just... Know? Like, I don't understand why people expected the NBA to, like, I had people asking me, like, oh, are they going to play the games tomorrow, yesterday? <laughs> right. And it's like, I don't really understand why this, this uh, gross, disgusting, white, riot, privileged town has anything to do with the NBA not playing games. Like, right. And, and the like... statements they all made were Really, a lot of the guys made were really good. Jalen Brown had a great one. Uh, Draymond yeah. Green had a great one about how watching how uh, much differently they were treated. The uh, again, the Trump, uh, the Trump creep riots were treated versus yeah. the Black Lives Matter protests and how that made them feel. That is an important conversation to have, certainly. Yeah. And honestly, the the explanation Jalen Brown gave was something like, well, 
if we boycott the game, it's going to be about the boycott. If we play the game, I get to talk about this. Yeah. You know, to ESPN. Um, yeah, he gets I mean, to I yell also... his statements while he gets a rebound, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's exactly right. Um, and I mean, look, it would have tanked TV ratings, right, Joey? <laughs> yeah, that been terrible. No, I, uh, I think the other the other thing though that it's almost like frustrating. I feel like when you hear people even make that comparison or that expectation of NBA players is like confusing those two causes to me shows like the tone deafness that even got us here maybe as like the democratic party, which is like, absolutely no, that's a great point. It's not the same cause. There's a difference between a predominantly black league putting pressure on billionaire ownership to try and affect change to like, policing that is killing people in their communities to also then expect them to be like wait a minute the, the congress is in trouble yeah. oh, <laughs> everybody you know, take like, a knee they took a knee for us while wearing uh yeah well were a dashiki in fucking july so i'm not gonna play an nba game because someone you know broke into her office and messed with her filing cap. it's like Dude, fuck you for even thinking that's the same fucking thing. Like, I don't know. That that that's what bothered me about even hearing people talk about that shit. But again, it's like what Jalen Brown said was so moving and affecting. Like he's he's so fucking smart. Yeah. And like there was a lot of really good conversation that came out of it. But I also just felt like it was offensive to even say like those two are the same fucking things. They're not at all. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, all those people were racist. Or not? I mean, you know, almost all of them no, for sure. No, were I think we can say all of those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of them were racist. Yeah. I don't know why I'm even. Yeah, what, who gives a shit if one of them are pissed off, right? Like all of those people were racist, and yeah, that sucks. And they probably hate uh, the the people in the NBA probably hated that shit. But it's not the same as being like, hey, I want the police to stop killing my black friends. people in my community. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, also this is just a factor of. Every time the Celtics have a players meeting, uh, the media in Boston will write about it for months. So that's the first one of the year. Uh, anytime they have a two-game losing streak or more, I expect there will be another team meeting breathlessly reported by uh, by the Boston media. Jared, by the way, listens to this show. Um, the oh, man who wrote I mean, that article. Uh, I mean, it's a really good, art- it's yeah. a good article. Yeah, I mean, uh, and honestly, yeah, I would recommend uh, checking that one out because uh, Jalen Brown's statement is really uh, pretty incredible and yeah. thoughtful at length. Um, it's just it it's just interesting that again it's Boston almost doing something, which is also just a yeah. always, that's just always yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Plus, look, yeah. if they hadn't played last night, we would have been robbed of a. Uh, a fast PP game winner. <laughs> Is that his nickname? That's what weird Celtics Twitter calls him. Yeah, That's so fast funny. PP. Those that's the thing that's so infuriating about the Celtics is like I I'm sp- I have to hate them as a Sixers fan, and Boston sports teams are generally annoying. Yeah. But- the Celtics, weird Celtics, Celtics weird Twitter, Twitter has some of, the, some of the funniest NBA jokes in the whole fucking league. It's yeah. just so oh, man. Um, All right, Sean. That's been news. Uh, now it's time. Look, I've got to I've got to square some stuff with our listeners here <laughs> real quick. Um, we got behind 
because uh, the season started at such a weird time and we thought we had so much time to do stuff. Uh, and then the season started and it feels weird. So we never did a Western Conference Over-Unders podcast, which is something we always do, but we did not do one. And now the season's been going on for two weeks and it feels a little unfair and weird to do an Over-Unders podcast two weeks into a season. So uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I agree with that. So um, we're going to do our Western Conference preview podcast right now. But it has a little bit of a difference to it in that uh, the Western Conference seems really fucking weird right now. And it seems like there's something wrong with every team. Right, Sean? Isn't that our hook here? Yeah. And we're we are more than 10 percent of the way through the season yeah. right now, too. So, um, yeah. And I think so. There's two things I want us to discuss, which is basically we'll give you every team and their record. Um but we're just going to talk about what's wrong with them. Yeah, because like there's something would, wrong with every team. <laughs> and I would also like to bring, I would also like people to, um, just like Kyrie Irving is now saging the court uh, before games, I I would like us to suggest a new pregame ritual uh, that e- one of each team's stars should adopt for the upcoming season. Maybe that will cure what's wrong with them. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Casey? How does that sound to you? <laughs> what? This is a complete surprise to me. I didn't know. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Um, I, I also forgot I was going to suggest that, so I, I'm it basically going in cold for this myself. <laughs> I just remembered I texted that to Joey yesterday, and yeah. Uh, all right, Sean, uh, run us through our uh, bottom team. Well, okay, I assume so we're, we're going, going fifteen to one, right? <laughs> uh, I have it one to fifteen. We can go. We can go fifteen to one. Sure. Okay. The the I'm going by ESPN standings. I don't know what kind of tiebreaker they're using. Whatever. A lot of these teams have the same record. Spoiler. Um, okay. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are at two and five, mm-hmm. and somehow that's considered worse than the other team that is tied for them for last place. Um, what's wrong with the Memphis Grizzlies? Uh, I'll go first on this one. Uh, clearly, it's not enough Conchar, right? Too much. Uh, it's way too much Grayson Allen and not enough John Conchar. Uh, could you refer to him by his correct name? Oh, Joey? sorry, Jiddy. Jiddy. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. You didn't win any of that Jiddy merch, did you? I did not win the Jiddy merch. No. Do you want to uh-huh. explain the Jiddy the Jiddy merch to people? Uh, I. John Conchar and John Conchar's online store were running a promotion where you could get free Jitty merch for following one or the other. Yeah. Uh, um, we didn't win. We didn't win. We both entered. We didn't win. We did uh, once describe John Conchar, I believe, as looking like if an undercover cop played basketball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's like the greatest. Uh, aside, Look, he wasn't as good as Zion Williamson uh, by the numbers, but... All the like purely numbers based drafting, yeah, yeah, had John Contar as just like a monster. Just he's <laughs> this mildly athletic. Um, what are what are Contar's stats? How how tall is he? He's six five six five shooting guard, but just blocked an unusual number of shots on a college team that just never played anyone good. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. Cu- currently has an ankle injury. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um. 
yeah, what what's wrong with them? Yeah, not enough jitty, probably. Um, also, their two best young players are hurt. Yeah. And uh, Brandon Clark does appear to be broken. I don't know what's going on with him this year, but uh, that also seems to be a problem. They've got to be the worst three-point shooting team in the league right now. Yeah. Right? No, they're not. They're actually, they're just near the bottom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they take no free throws. They, uh, well, they're, they're, they're currently the worst offensive team in the league. Casey, what's wrong with the Memphis Grizzlies? Uh, I feel like, uh, I'm just a little nervous that they're trying to get too pretty, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a grit and grind history. It's the only uh-huh. way they've ever found any success is by, once they got rid of that fucking clown Pau Gasol, you know? Uh-huh. Wanted, to, <laughs> wanted to, wanted to get fancy and pass at seven foot two, and they got Zach Randolph, who just wanted to throw his ass into people. Uh huh. Yeah. And I'm just worried. No, I mean, I, the actual answer is like the the young people are hurt, and they'll probably be fine yeah. once they get healthy, right? But like, it's just not a. I do I do worry about Memphis ever becoming like a pretty basketball team because it's just not a city that feels like that's appropriate to happen. Yeah, anymore. I have another <laughs> theory, and it's that um the the players don't know how to react. With no fans there who are constantly thinking about the Martin Luther King assassination. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I read that in uh, Bill Simmons' book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think they miss Robert Para. I think they'd be more motivated if he were there challenging them to shooting contests instead of jet-setting around the globe because he's now insanely wealthy. because he's now actually rich enough to own an NBA team? (laughs) Yeah, and before he was just, like, hanging on, and then his stock exploded, and now he's, like, buying penthouses in New York, and he's never there. So they miss him. They miss miss RP. Come home, RP. (laughs) Um, And for for a pregame ritual, um, I actually think that one season ticket holder each game uh, should get to if they pass the court that the you know the the rapid test uh, gets to go on the court and trip Grayson Allen before every game. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're two and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey, what's wrong with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, I mean, what's wrong is that they've won two games, <laughs> and they should really they should really be. <laughs> Be trying to beef those numbers down to about zero and seven right now. Yeah, because if their pick isn't in the top three, the Golden State Warriors get it. By the way, um, oh, I year. didn't even know that. Yeah. I was just thinking they suck. No, really they bad. traded their pick for D'Angelo Russell to get off of Andrew Wiggins. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which honestly, long term might not be a bad move, but short term, like I, I mean, D'Angelo Russell is probably better than Andrew Wiggins, but I think they're also the same kind of player, which they is are, like huge numbers on shitty teams is probably like the ceiling. I will say as a Golden State Warrior fan who watched every game Andrew Wiggins has played as a Golden State Warrior and every game D'Angelo Russell has played as a Golden State Warrior, uh... I would say in a vacuum, like one-on-one, D'Angelo Russell is a better player, but in like a, can this guy play basketball in a way that's conducive to winning? I think Andrew Wiggins is ahead by a hair. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's, they're the, also like really close to the bottom of the league in those categories. Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, oh, absolutely. This, this team, this team just has so many guards, and um, just looking at their advanced stats, which are not really very valid for seven games in the season, it's troubling that the worst defensive rating on the team belongs to Josh Okogi, mm-hmm. who's like the one guy on the team that's supposed to play any kind of, <laughs> be able to play any well, kind of defense. Well, he's been hurt. He's the worst. Um, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been playing that many minutes, uh, honestly. I mean, the, honestly, the problem here, if you ask me, is uh, they're playing Malik Beasley the most minutes. And uh, based on the offseason that man had, I don't know if that's who you want to be hitching your wagon to for winning basketball yeah. it was a real losing off season um, um yeah and it just i mean look i would be playing anthony edwards all the time too yeah, but you he's can't funny expect and cool <laughs> yeah but you can't expect him to be playing a lot of defense no. at you know age 19 um and honestly somehow ricky rubio cannot lift the depressed spirits of this team maybe he needs a little more time mm-hmm. um maybe maybe he and he and wancho need to start bonding more uh <laughs> but i mean this is i i don't know why this franchise is so horribly depressing uh i, I mean like it doesn't help that because i bet the late start got him too because like if you're playing in minnesota it's got to be at least nice at the beginning of the season when it's like, you know, wow. degrees. Mm-hmm. They, they started straight from like negative 20 mm-hmm. and you got to be like, oh, no, I don't want to. You never want to go to work when it's that cold. Yeah. And so I think starting there without getting in a rhythm, that's just, uh, you know, that's another theory for me. It's like also too fucking cold. My theory is they should have just given Carl Anthony Towns the entire year off anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that guy. That dude such needs a, a break. It's man. it yeah. really bums me out. It makes me so how, sad. How yeah, long really is he out? I don't a know. A while, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. And uh yeah, it's just it it's weird to me that they have a bunch of young guards that they've either drafted high or devoted a lot of resources to, and then seemingly also intentionally blocked all of those those young guards <laughs> well I've, i can kind of see the vision there which like i'm not saying this is going to work but i think when you get like ed davis and rubio in the locker room it's kind of like you know let's get two veteran dudes that also are still solid enough that like it's not gonna make our fans mad that we play them but mm-hmm. like it's probably mostly like a mentorship kind of thing because they know they're years out from contention too mm-hmm. you know so like mm-hmm. you get two dudes like that that do kind of block them but also like you know i mean this doesn't always work like look at fucking rondo in chicago did not work but like right. that I, I feel like that seems to be the the thought process well my problem is less the rubio signing and the if you're gonna sign rubio and draft edwards let beasley walk then Oh, oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, they feel like an old, like, 2000s warrior team where they, they got really freaked out that any free agent would leave. Mm-hmm. And then somehow they're, like, a capped out 29-win team. Yeah. But also, <laughs> like that, they're, they have, like, they're, they're, like, paying Larry Hughes and Bobby Sura and Jason Richardson and Gilbert Arenas. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to pick two. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, and uh, it it also seems like uh, Jared Culver might not be very good. No, he's bad. He's bad at basketball. Yeah. Uh, He does have a bust name. All right. Uh, Sean, (laughs) the Houston Rockets are two and four. What's wrong with the Houston Rockets? I mean, there's there's some obvious things you could point at. (laughs) Um, uh, Maybe... I mean, they've actually had to, I guess they didn't have to forfeit that game, but not having enough healthy players to play games um, because of haircuts is not ideal. (laughs) Um, James Harden doing one of the weirder tank jobs you can imagine. Um, Also strange. Um, It just, it's such a weird team and it doesn't really feel like anyone wants to be there particularly i mean like, i think john I, I do wall like, does right john well, wall and boogie excited. do i mean john wall seems excited to play basketball yeah i just mean i and actually i'm i'm really rooting for for john wall uh and that it, it does feel like they could pull out of this but um you know it's it doesn't seem like that there's a real serious a team-wide approach to being the best team they can be. Uh, yeah. And to, and, oh, I would say the thing that's most wrong with them is that they're owned by Tillman Fertitta. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that doesn't really matter on the court, but it matters on the court. You know what I mean? Um, yep. 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 Casey, I what do you like, think? Oh, go ahead. Just thinking about the Tillman Fertitta thing, I think what's funny at the Maybe the funniest moment of uh, a very surreal day yesterday with the Capitol stuff was uh, James Harden, apparently, when asked about it, said, I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. He did which that. feels <laughs> very funny, but also, like, it was only two weeks ago that he was trying to pretend that Tillman Fertitta's Trump support is why he wanted to uh-huh. leave, even though, obviously, uh-huh. like, back when he wore a Blue Lives Matter <laughs> mask... Like, he didn't even know what that was. So yeah, that, Young Thug said not. James Harden don't have the internet, so... Yeah. And I believe <laughs> yeah. Young Thug. Uh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that was, like, one of the greatest quotes. Like, it's yeah. it's really entertaining. It just has to be very frustrating if you want the Rockets to win. Yeah, yeah, that probably isn't fun. It, it also just feels seems like... Thinking he... about the tank job comment, it's just like, he can't even keep his story straight on, like, why he wants to leave. But, like, he also can't just say, like, I don't I don't want to play here. Like, he has to keep <laughs> making excuses. It's very funny. Um. All right. The Oklahoma City Thunder are three and four. Casey Taylor, what is wrong with the Oklahoma City Thunder? I mean, what's wrong with the Oklahoma City Thunder is that spreadsheets don't play basketball. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, like, I feel like this, what's cool, especially as a Sixers fan, what's kind of like what I admire about what Presti has done is like he was able to kind of replicate the hinky process without tanking. Like, Mm -hmm. he just kept creating good enough teams with enough assets that he could be smart about it. But it also, they are entering like that era where it's like, okay, we have all this stuff, but now no one on the court is really all that fucking good. So sorry, like this is going to suck for a while. So um, I think fundamentally, you know, the Thunder picked up people because of what draft picks were attached to them. Not, not 
necessarily a terrible no it's a terrible way to build a roster but i'll say that fundamentally um poku Uh draft analytics darling poku his offensive rating is currently 32 Uh uh-huh that's not very good Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's all (laughs) there's no reason to expect this team to be good yeah, it's I, like the it's like the process era Sixers, but instead of watching Joel Embiid and like, you know, guys who can't play but are at least fun, like TJ McConnell, like you're watching Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is admittedly good, but he's also not like future top ten center of all time good. So you're just yeah, there's nothing fun about this this stage they're in. I feel like. It, it also feels like Al Horford has collapsed like a dying star. Yeah. It's like, like, this should be a team where Al Horford should be able to average double figures. Right? Like, I, like yeah, he's yes, taking yes. those touches from him. I would say the problem with this team is that they've won three games. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know why? Because Lugans Dort is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now he's like, remember, like, uh, two months ago when the other teams were just leaving him open all the uh, time. And now he's making 45% of his threes. Well, that's not going to stay. Not continue, but, but I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> he might be really awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, uh, Lakers Paladin on Twitter, the greatest Twitter follow. Uh, yeah, there's no one better. Yeah, he, uh, Lugans Dort is his man. Uh, his only, his, the only non-Laker he tweets about is Lugans Dort. Um, <laughs> and he spells it differently every single time he tweets. All right, um, <laughs> uh, the San Antonio Spurs are three and four. Sean, what is wrong? Oh, wait, hold on, Sean. Have we done what, uh, we haven't done the, uh, the pregame rituals for any of these teams. Oh my god, sorry. <laughs> we skipped so many. Um, okay, for the Timberwolves, I think the pregame ritual for Carl Anthony Towns is that he is excused from the game and gets to drink a big chocolate milkshake. I think that yeah. should be his ritual Fair. and come back in 2021. <laughs> um, for the Houston Rockets, the pregame ritual should just involve like, Every, the whole team just needs to get a bath like Bruce Willis gets when he comes back <laughs> from time traveling in 12 Monkeys. <laughs> and then the Oklahoma City um, the Oklahoma City pregame ritual should just be like Lugans Dort in uh, one of those like money booths. Uh-huh. But instead of cash, it's just um, like like something that just says all the extra future picks they have. So he goes into the booth and he just tries to grab as many like protected second round picks as he can before the game. And then a fan wins like a hot dog that's you know DoorDash to their house. Um, okay, so so we're on the Spurs, now, I guess. Sean, what's wrong with the San Antonio Spurs? Okay, well, Lamarcus Aldridge is playing like like butt. Uh, but I think the real problem is that Greg Popovich is being distracted by his clandestine work behind the scenes, trying to avert the coup. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's working for his handlers still, and he's been a sleeper in San Antonio for a while. Uh, he never thought he would actually coach. They were just like, we need to protect military asset David Robinson. And then, uh, you know, it turned into a very successful coaching career. But he, net, no, at no point did he leave the CIA's payroll. And that's what's distracting him. 
I like it. Casey, what's wrong with the San Antonio Spurs? I mean, they're just not very good. But, like, <laughs> they're also... The thing is, with Popovich and their roster, though, they're good enough that I feel like they'll probably end up close to the eight seed or maybe a little above. You know, mm-hmm. I like Murray a lot. I still think he's going to be really, really good. Maybe he's already actually close to his ceiling, but I still like him a lot as a player. DeRozan is hitting like an alarming amount of jumpers so far, like in mm-hmm. a good way. But it, it, like his catch and shoot threes, I feel like I saw uh, uh, Bruno tweet out that it was uh, they were pretty high uh, compared to usual. <laughs> but like it's love also that bounce um, passos on Twitter. God, the best. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but also they're not good, and yeah, I, I do feel a little bit like. You know, I know the, the the joke about the coup thing, obviously, is a pretty obvious joke. But I feel like Popovich <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's paying as much attention to basketball as he is, like, the national st- I just feel like he's not... He obviously wants the wins record, probably. He's close enough to it that he'll get it pretty soon. And you wonder, is he, like, still really, like, doing his greg popovich thing or is he just kind of like all right i'm gonna be the grandpa of the nba now that everyone loves and just kind of ride it out for a couple years yeah i think he's kind of bummed tim duncan didn't want to stay and coach with him yeah Uh i think that probably has an impact too Uh, yeah it's also very weird that the team is like almost completely 22 or 32 you know what i mean like there's no (laughs) and like keldon johnson seems Kind of cool. I too. like their and guards. Kelvin Johnson's cool. Uh, Lonnie Lonnie's Walker's cool. Devin yeah. Vassell's cool. Uh, but but it just, just yeah, it just it feels like they they also are almost not assembled as much as they seem like they've drafted some good guys, but have kind of not particularly made any moves. Like if you're on the Spurs, you just. Stay on the Spurs till your contract expires. Yeah, kind of what's wrong with the Spurs is that they traded Kawhi Leonard and didn't get anything good still, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, but, uh, that's actually a good way of putting it, is I feel like uh, it's hard for Popovich to run his system with DeRozan, too. It's just not... It's not a good fit to and like I the love European DeMar DeRozan. style of playing. Yeah, like, I, I'm, DeMar yeah, DeRozan yeah. is a very fun basketball player. I love his career. I love watching him. But he's not like a Popovich. I, you yeah. don't think of him as a Popovich wing. No, he's a Nick. He should be putting up buckets on the Knicks right now. Yeah. They just <laughs> seem they just seem um just like kind of not interested in trades. Yeah. Whereas it's not even like their roster's bad at all. Just yeah, well, I mean it. You know, it's not really that great, but but like it's fine. Yeah, yeah. If you were a little more, I just I'm I'm sort of surprised that their attitude towards DeRozan and Aldridge, and to a lesser extent Rudy Gay, is like, well, they're on the team. What could we pause? We can't. Yeah, what are we gonna do? <laughs> Look, they have a contract, uh, much like Greg and the CIA. You know, like you don't trade him to the FBI. <laughs> so. Yeah, that that it feels like maybe the front office and or Popovich could be a little more aggressive in roster building. But yeah, I I, I agree with you, Casey. Like they're probably going to end up the eight seed still. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if they're going to be the eight seed, but yeah, they're going to be in that playing game probably. All right, the uh, 
fair. Denver Nuggets are three and four. Guys, what is wrong with the Denver Nuggets? Casey, why don't you go first? I just feel like uh, maybe they're not that good. I mean, I know they are. I don't know. So I feel like the Nuggets, what's interesting, and like, I love the Nuggets. Like, I love watching Jokic. And Jamal Murray is like not just my favorite player to watch in the league right now, but like probably my favorite player to watch of the last like decade. Like he's just so fun. But I also think so much of what drives the Nuggets is like Jokic facilitating. And they have so many players that are like good, but also the kinds of players that are like the the quality of which have extended slumps and like inconsistencies. I mean, having said that, they're they're going to be fine. They're going to finish like in the top three in the Western Conference. But I also feel like you're seeing like you know they can probably go cold for a little bit because they don't have they don't have like high high caliber players around their two stars. And Jamal Murray is also the kind of star that's like you know extremely inconsistent. Like he'll mm-hmm. kill for like months at a time and then shoot 25% for like a week or two. Sean? Um, I'm going to squarely blame Gary Harris so far. I was also going to bring up Gary Harris. (laughs) He just seems like, like, I don't understand why he can't shoot anymore. And also, this year so far, also uh, not play defense. But uh, I'm going to take a controversial position. I think Nikola Jokic, as good a season as he's having... He looks a little slender to me. <laughs> I think he I think he I think he needs to maybe gain some of that weight back. And you know, look, he's averaging 24, 12, and 12. Pretty Jesus good. Christ. But but he's he's a bear, man. It's the winter time. You know? <laughs> okay, you can't be a slender bear in the winter. They gotta get him on like some shakes, I think. Well, my second shake related thing of the day. Oh, by the way, also uh the Spurs uh pregame ritual, I think, um should um just be um Jakob Pertle eating an entire cake at midcourt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, The the only other thing I would add to the Nuggets, too, is I I think it is worth pointing out that Michael Porter Jr. has been distracted investigating claims of voter fraud. That was that was literally going to be what I was about to say about what's wrong with the Denver Nuggets. (laughs) Isn't he out for some like unusually long time because he he violated the COVID protocol? Yeah, yeah, he has to quarantine for 10 days starting today uh, because he broke COVID protocols. I, I imagine him, like, putting his mouth all the way around a public drinking fountain and just being like, oh, fine, fine. <laughs> uh, I also oh. think, honestly, this is going to be, this sounds weird, but this team needs to play Bull Bull some minutes. Um, he, They won't be winning minutes, probably, but at least this, look. The Nuggets are supposed to be a weird freak show of a basketball team, and they have too many uh-uh. normal basketball players right now, and we need to see some Compazzo Bull Bull minutes for, like, five minutes a game to really keep the freak show alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's only played 14 minutes so far. Yeah. He has a rebound and a block <laughs> and uh, no points. So um, I still think that – I still think um, if I had to wager on it, I think Jokic is probably, like – 
the the most money making MVP prediction you could make. Although you probably can't bet on that anymore. Um. Yeah. Like, no. I think he's probably going to win MVP. Yeah. All right. What's their uh, pregame ritual, Sean? Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, riding a horse around the court, but he's going like faster than is really safe. <laughs> Nikola Jokic is before every game. <laughs> <That> rule. <laughs> um, all right. The Dallas Mavericks are three and four. They're the ninth seed. Sean Keen, what is wrong with the Dallas Mavericks? Honestly, there's not enough Maxi Kleber. Yeah, fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> he's, he's honestly killing it. And also, um, just as a uh, not not to knock this guy who I like, but um, considering that Maxi is playing well and Willie Cully Stein is playing well, I I Dwight Powell has been so rough. I think they should just let him actually recover from his devastating injury that he kind of rushed back from. Mm-hmm. And then Luca is not making outside shots. Some of that'll balance out. He's not really that great an outside shooter. But uh, yeah, in general, like like for now, um, let 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 the boy heal and and more Maxi baby. I love him. Um, Casey, what's wrong with the Dallas Mavericks? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. their biggest problem is college player of the fucking, fucking year. We need more Trey Burke doing the Allen Iverson imitation because it's fun and because this team sucks. Like they have they have a really, really great young player and a really uh impressive member of the Aryan Brotherhood, the tallest <laughs> member of the Aryan Brotherhood. And you know, and I feel like and Boban's fun and stuff, but like they're they're still two years out from contending with like that's when Luca will be like super unstoppable, and so like they should just let Trey Burke like remind us all of, of Allen Iverson for like thirty five minutes a night because that sounds like fun. That would rule. Yeah, yeah, I um think what they really need to do is uh this team needs to trade for a good player. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like Luca's go- Luca's a good player. Kristaps is a bad person, but he's like a fine basketball player. But like when we're sitting here being like, man, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Maxi Kleber, they just have to. They're just letting them down. It's like, of course they are. Like I love Tim Hardaway Jr. and I love Maxi Kleber and I love Dorian Finney Smith, but it's Luca and a team of like ninth men. Like the entire team is ninth men. Um, yeah, I I think what they're actually kind of dealing with right now is that for for like a whole decade they've been clearing cap space in order to not sign the free agents they really want, mm-hmm. and they keep getting let down. And it's just like the for one um, the days where the Mavericks were the only team that had a nice locker room are like very much over. Yeah, and when Mark Cuban was like an appealing owner. And now I think he's like a little bit of a troubling <laughs> owner. Um, but, but, but just what they should do since they're willing to spend money and they cleared a bunch of money, this like, like trade for guys, trade for guys and like pay guys. That's cause it just doesn't seem like them clearing cap space to get their dream free agent has has been failing for a really long time 
And it might be time to switch gears. Also, Casey, you would know this better, is, uh, but I think it's time to give up on the Josh Richardson dream as a group of NBA fans, because it seems like uh, (laughs) every team he leaves uh, gets a lot better. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, like, the thing with Josh Richardson, I feel like, is he's an he's a good player, but he's one of those dudes that only, you only hear a lot about because of like the analytics guys that treat players like equities trades. Mm-hmm. Because uh-huh. like he is on such a good contract that it's like you're getting a lot of bang for your buck, man. Like this, and it, but it's also like yeah, but he's not like a max player playing on a discount. He's like in a a really good defender that sometimes hits open shots in that way. He's kind of like the opposite of Tim Hardaway jr. Where it's like (laughs) Tim Hardaway jr. Is a guy analytics. People are always like, ugh, fucking Tim Hardaway jr. (laughs) But then every time you watch a game, Tim Hardaway jr. Plays, he's hitting like a million shots and playing really Uh good. (laughs) Well, and, and they're also their outside shooting has been on the opposite trajectory, basically where Tim Hardaway jr. It's like, Oh, he came to the Mavs and, I jacked up his shooting percentage. Where Josh Richardson is constantly listed as like a three and D guy, but is in reality probably shooting like thirty four or thirty five percent from three. And at that point, it's like, whoa! So he's a shooting guard who's not that good at the dribbling or the shooting parts. I always find it weird thinking about like the the free agent stuff with Dallas. Is I just don't get it, and I think it's because Dallas. It's just a sh- terrible city. Mm-hmm. Like, it just sucks. Because what's interesting, like, because I know Cuban has had a bad couple of years for PR, but from a player perspective, he's always, like, so loyal to his players. I feel like he's got to have a good reputation for that. And then, like, you know, you have Rick Carlisle, who never really gets his due, but is one of the best coaches in the league. Well, except players hate playing for Rick Carlisle. For the yeah, that part. has something to do with it. I mean... For sure, it's like the opposite of Spolstra. He so, and he does. He kind of seems like a dickhead, and I don't. I don't think he should have a buzz cut. I think a buzz. No, cut he looks like is... Bat Boy. I've said this several <laughs> times. <laughs> God, what He's if just he got what... a weird head shape for it, dude? I think he should go for it. Okay, look, a possibly the Caesar cut, but I'd actually really like him to like really grow his hair out and get an undercut. Yeah, I think that might change their <laughs> fortunes. No, I think he should just straight up go back to that Cel- that Celtics little boy cut he had for all those years. Uh huh. Um, he had it when he coached the Pistons, even. But then at some point in the last few years, he decided he took a pic- a, a a comic book that Frank Miller drew of the Punisher and said, "Make me look like Tombstone." <laughs> yeah, he looks like a. He looks like a guy who eats uh, room temperature Jello cups with a plastic <laughs> spoon. It's a very joyless look. Yeah, he yeah. looks like yeah. <laughs> he looks like uh, if Ben Affleck made the Accountant Two. He uh-huh. looks like the man who Ben Affleck would go meet to get advice from. That was like his accountant med- uh, mentor. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I taught you how to kill people and have autism. <laughs> um, um, for the pregame ritual, I think Boban, Mar- Boban should do um, one of those like strongman contest events. 
You know, like like the cheerleader lift, or he's just pulling a car oh, across okay. the court. The world's strongest yeah. man. World strong man. Strong man event. Okay. No, not like a, not like a yeah. not like a despot. Yeah. No, like uh, the evil, like the the uh, the illegal. Uh, sporting event that espn2 used to show that they could only film in malta because for whatever reason it was always in malta um because that's the only place you could have a man pull a truck or whatever (laughs) i think it had to do with maybe their uh pharmaceutical import rules (laughs) um all right the portland trailblazers are the current eight seed at three and four casey taylor what is wrong with the portland trailblazers What's wrong with the Portland Trailblazers is that it's not 20 years ago. Like, can you imagine <laughs> how unstoppable a Lillard McCollum backcourt would be in, like, the ISO ball era? Like, it would be so fucking rad to watch. But now it just, I don't think that roster, like, really challenges in the modern game. But it's still, a, they're still a really fun team, I think, like. And, you know, I like watching Mello kind of sometimes rediscover Mello form for like 10 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But it's also just like, I don't think it's a team that you really like. Their ceiling appears to be like Western Conference Finals. And that's only if Damian Lillard goes fucking insane for like eight weeks. You know, so like, but but still, like, God, that roster would kick ass in like, you know, 1999 or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, it would be like, uh, it'd be a little bit like, um, you know, uh, the Mobley Francis backcourt. (laughs) 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 Um, Sean, what's wrong with the Portland Trailblazers? Um, I'm going to say fundamentally falling in love with their own players, which is awesome from a fan side of it, that they aren't ever going to trade CJ or Dame. And everything, and uh, it's it's kind of kind of ideal from a fan perspective, but um, you know these guys just aren't that good. Um, Zach Collins is Zach Collins out for the year again? I don't know, or is he just hurt? I mean, that doesn't matter. Oh, and also like everyone, um, Robert Cummington always looks so much better when he's on someone else's team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's always like. Oh, we got to bring in this guy, and it'll really change things. And then every team sort of realizes, like, oh, that didn't help as much as we thought. No, he was. I, I mean, he's a process sixer, so I'm very biased. But he was also one of those guys that, like, uh, you know, it's like your fuck up brother. Like, you're the only one. Like, when people would talk shit about Cub, it'd be like, no, he's like incredible. But also, like, watching Cub play, you're like, God damn it. Like why? Why do you? Why are you doing that? You know, he's yeah. just not a. He's not a very. He's he he doesn't have a diverse set of skills. He's a catch and shoot three point shooter, great defender who sometimes makes the right pass. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, yeah, I think it's it's yeah. a little bit of like analytics brain too, but yeah. also it's just like people like I I think Portland could probably get a first round pick back if they traded him to another team that hadn't had him. Still, you know, if they wanted, <laughs> there's just this sense that he's like incredibly valuable. And again, he's not bad. It's just, you know, I mean, you're you're basically finding a replacement for all Farouk Aminu. Uh, whatever that means. You I know. still really like this team. I um, but I think 
uh, there are two things here. Uh, I think the real, re- really what's wrong with them is uh, they're not playing as well because they miss playing in front of Portugal, the man sitting courtside oh, every good point, night. Good point. <laughs> and uh, Katie, Katie Lang's two games a year yeah. that she goes to in person. Uh, but really, the, my other thing is, is I don't know if you guys saw the report that came out the other day where Damian Lillard was demanding that the team trade for Draymond Green. Yeah, that's... And it's like... Why? <laughs> but it's it's not really why, it's more like, why do you think the Golden State Warriors would trade Draymond Green? <laughs> Like what? What makes this work? He beats uh, like you every way. year in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> <laughs> but CJ McCollum is actually the problem. If they could get a two guard in there that, uh, you know, played some defense and also gave the same amount of offense, they're just too. The backcourt's too small. That's he's my, playing uh, great. He's he is playing he's great. great. Year, right? I look. Yeah. I really like CJ. Uh, I just don't think he and Dame work defensively. Yeah, I mean, it's just not... You can't cover for two undersized guards. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just, you know, it, it sucks. They're both great players. It's just they're, it doesn't work together. And it, it just... Height always catches up to you in the play. Uh, Sean, what's the ritual? Oh, I mean, just like All-Star Weekend, Dame goes out and does a sick-ass freestyle <laughs> for every game. <laughs> Um, all right, number seven. The Sacramento Kings are four and four. Sean, what's wrong with the Sacramento Kings? Uh, Luke Walton. I mean, just <laughs> fundamentally, like, doesn't know how to wear a mask on the sidelines. Always looks like a little bit confused. I just, I've mentioned this before, but every time I watch the Kings, it becomes more and more clear that uh, the interim coach when Steve Kerr was out in the 2015-16 season, was Draymond Green. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> Luke Walton was like a figurehead, but, like, Draymond was just, you know, the, the NBA's first player coach since, like, Bill Russell. Yeah. So, um, but also, um, the other thing that he's been good so far, I really like him, but I am concerned that Tyrese Halliburton chose Sacramento as, as the post-draft rumors have suggested that he told other teams he didn't want to go there and then was like, yeah, the Sacramento Kings. That's where I'll go. (laughs) Casey, what's wrong with the Sacramento Kings? Nothing. You know, I think this is their (laughs) year. You know, I I think this is when they're finally... No, I think it's like, uh, you know, the opposite of what's wrong. I feel like right now they're riding high because there's no... um, There's no like weird places for Hassan Whiteside to get lost in Sacramento, you know, (laughs) like he can actually just kind of play basketball, which is good. Uh, You know, there's only so many dads that can request trades, you know, of the uh, for their players, (laughs) for their sons. I mean, like they're they're not they're gonna end up at the bottom. They fucking suck. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is kind of fun. They lost. They weren't able to convince Bogdanovich that Sacramento was a better place than Atlanta somehow, so I'm worried about their sales staff. Um, no, it's a uh, what a what a weird. It, it's so weird that this place even, that this team exists. I just don't think the Sacramento Kings franchise should even exist. 
it's it's such an odd team that like when when Bogdan finally weighed in on what exactly happened there, it just sounded like the Kings didn't bother to ask him about the trade to Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, like like the thing is rough because he does not really speak English very well. So at like some points when you read his responses, but what becomes very clear is that the Kings didn't contact him at any point before the thing got announced or even after. Mm-hmm. And he had actually talked to them about just coming back. Uh, but also he kept reiterating that he's not particularly friends with Giannis. He's just friends with Giannis's brother, which was also <laughs> very funny to me that he was like, look, don't get it twisted. Thanasis and I are friends, <laughs> not that other guy. <laughs> It's like hard to tell if he was big timing Giannis or if he yeah. was trying to like up not Thanos. sound yes. like a fraud. Yeah. Be like, look, yeah. guys, I'm not saying I'm friends with the MVP. Like, do not quote me on that. <laughs> uh, for me, the only thing is with the Sacramento Kings is what's going right, and it's Tyrese Halliburton. He, that guy fucking rocks. Uh, Fox he's super is great fu- too. I am never that into Fox when I watch Fox. Like the. Fox highlights, I understand why people are like, yeah, Fox is fun. Because then I see the highlights and I'm like, yeah, that's fun. And then I watch a whole Fox game and I'm like, yeah, those three highlights were pretty cool. I wasn't into the rest of what was going on. Um, but I that's think the Aaron Fox is a good player who, like, because of, like, his build, he's got that kind of, like, wiry Rondo thing going on. That when he does things well, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. So you overrate mm-hmm. him, but really he's you know he's just good. He's a good player. Yeah, he's I I would describe him as a uh, a mid. He's a Mike Conley type. Uh, that's a good comparison, and even that I think is pretty aspirational. Uh, yeah, but that's where Halliburton. I'm like, this is like a guy I haven't seen in the NBA since the '70s. He shoots weird. <laughs> He's all long. He's super weird. He's already tweeting, calling the president a clown. <laughs> yeah. He's been in the NBA for four days. <laughs> yeah. He's tight. Um, Sean, what's their ritual? Um, a different fan every game gets to use a trampoline and dunk on Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> I was going to say it'd be cool if uh, Vladi Divac just smokes a pack of camels at half. <laughs> <laughs> just talks, uh, takes a Q&A while he's smoking cigarettes. Oh, I also think at halftime they should have kids play basketball, but uh, both the teams have to play four on five and keep one guy cherry picking all the time. <laughs> um, all right. The New Orleans Pelicans are your sixth seed at four and four. Sean, what's wrong with the Pelicans? Uh, just like last year, too many guys from Duke. It bums everybody out, <laughs> even the team itself. Uh, currently, Eric Bledsoe is shooting better than J.J. Redick from three, possibly because of the COVID-related travel concerns for him to visit his secret family. Uh, but um, I think these guys will be fine. But at the same time, it's 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 another team that, doesn't fit together that well but also it's kind of like um you know what's what's your hurry science like 20 you know he's like it's it's a lot like the Mavs it's like well two years from now is when it's really gonna matter and so I kind of see how 
last year they were they were regularly playing 12 guys all the time and it was weird and it probably didn't help them in games but there is a certain extent where they're just like we're just trying to figure out we have we don't really know what works around zion uh yeah but but uh reddick straighten up straighten up jj (laughs) uh i mean i wonder if those uh those shoe guys started buying all his watches out from under oh, yeah. him, so he's really <laughs> depressed about it. <laughs> uh, Casey, what's wrong with the Pelicans? Oh, man. As much as it pains me to say it, Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make... I, that never made any sense to me. I don't understand... Like, because if your whole plan is, like, let's uh, create perimeter players and that let, then let Zion just own the paint because he's a rectangle and like rectangles always beat like, you know, softer, softer <laughs> shapes. Like, it just seems like, uh, you know, why would you get a guy who like has to be planted in the paint to be effective in any capacity? Uh, it just doesn't make much sense. So I think Steven Adams is a little bit of a problem. And then I also think it's, it's going to be a problem for them that, uh, Lonzo Ball is in, or not Lonzo, that Zion Williamson is in such close proximity to Gumbo at all times. <laughs> it's not going to be good for him long term, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, we 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 had a real dream that Dwight Howard would really balloon up once he got to Atlanta and had access to Bojangles, but Zion in New Orleans is like a constant. Uh, he's always on the razor's edge, you know. <laughs> uh, you know what I think is wrong with this team, actually. They won't consistently give the ball to the best player on the team, which is Brandon Ingram, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, they have a real weird crunch time thing where they're like, time to force to Zion in the fourth when it's like, Brandon Ingram has like 32 points. <laughs> um, but in first place in the in their division. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sean, they could, they could win this division, Joey. <laughs> they absolutely could. Uh, Sean, what is their ritual? Um, I think that you welcome Lavar Ball back into the fold, and he and Pierre the Pelican fist fight at midcourt. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I wouldn't you rather see Lavar Ball fight the King Cake Baby, not the Pelican? I'm so horrified. I don't want. I I can't. <laughs> I can't in good conscience increase the amount of time the King Cake Baby would oh, be visible to human I eyes. Love the King Cake Baby. I'm with Sean Woodley on that one. King Cake Baby rules. LeVar <laughs> Ball uh, has to be King Cake Baby for the season. And it's oh, like a, it's okay, a plot that to get Lonzo to let him back into his life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a Mrs. Doubtfire situation, but it's the King Cake Baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number five, the Utah Jazz. They're four and four. Casey, what is wrong with the Utah Jazz? What's wrong with the Utah Jazz is that the sentence, the best basketball team in the world is in Utah, will never, ever be true and will never make <laughs> any fucking sense whatsoever. Like, it just doesn't compute that the best basketball team in the world will be from Salt Lake City and as such... There's just only so much they can achieve. I really like that answer. Sean, what's wrong with the Jazz? 
Uh, Stat-wise, they're both bad at drawing and shooting free throws, but I really think fundamentally they have now locked themselves into two players long-term who still almost certainly dislike each other. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think what's wrong with them is other teams have uh, started using screen assists as stats. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, like, I've been reading, you know, like uh, Anthony Slater will describe how many screen assists James Wiseman had when you read about the Warriors on The Athletic. Yeah. Uh, so, he's killing it. In yeah. The <laughs> so if they don't have that fake stat, what the fuck do the Jazz have? It's like not having a basketball team at all. <laughs> uh sean what's their uh what's their ritual um i think what happens is that um rudy gobert actually cleans all the mics at the scorers table and around the arena (laughs) like trying too hard to be safe and uh and also i think he does the opening tip wearing one of those um face shields he doesn't have to wear it for the rest of the game but for the tip off he's wearing the face shield and then he puts his hands up like i'm sorry i know i messed up and and when i'm saying that he's he's holding his hands over his head and kind of waving them to the sides apologetically all right (laughs) um number four uh the golden state warriors uh they're four and four i cannot believe that they're listed as the fourth seed here because i would have listed them as the seventh seed but uh (laughs) Sean, what's wrong with the Golden State Warriors? I think you can say it in one sentence. Not enough strength, too many numbers. <laughs> uh, they're running like an 11 or 12 man rotation with some guys who are just not very good. Um, and then also they somehow still need shooting. Uh, Casey, what's wrong with the Golden State Warriors? The problem is the pandemic created so many new markets to exploit that Bob Myers found himself like kind of a kid in the candy shop. And he hasn't, he's been so focused on, you know, like where can I possibly make more money uh, that he hasn't really been paying attention to roster construction. Uh, He's been too busy trying to figure out different private equity angles for like Mm -hmm. places he can destroy. Uh, I think you mean Joe Lacob, but yes, you're Joe Lacob. I'm sorry, not Bob Myers. Yeah, um, no Bob Myers. That's who I meant. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I'll tell you what's wrong with this team, uh, guys. As someone who <laughs> is a diehard fan of it and thinks about it every day and reads about it all the time and watches every single minute of every single game, including on Christmas when they're down by sixty-five points, and my mom <laughs> and dad and my girlfriend are enjoying a. Uh, beautiful brunch by themselves while i'm just sitting there (laughs) watching every single minute knowing everyone else has turned it off but me uh steve kerr spent too much time this summer retweeting the lincoln project and not enough time thinking about how he has to coach a team that has kelly Oubre and andrew wiggins and james wiseman on it who are like dumb guys who run the floor and dunk uh and still tried to run his insanely complicated, insane offense with, like, a bunch of idiots who are idiot athletes who, like, the best thing they do is run in a straight line or shoot while standing still. Uh, And he's asking them to, like, read and react and set screens. And, uh, he again, retweeting the Lincoln Project. That is what's wrong with this team. (laughs) I mean... 
Joey, what you're describing is called beautiful basketball. Yeah, it's joy in buckets. Yeah, Uh, it keeps not working in the playoffs too. Um, I do have to shout out Brad Wanamaker, who is living the version of that Dennis Quaid movie, The Rookie, with two years NBA experience at age like 48. Um, But no, I loved watching him at Pitt, and I always thought he was a super underrated player. So it was cool that he had like such a successful European career, and he got to come back to the NBA. But but it is, I was like. I didn't even know he had made it to the NBA. I was watching like a Celtic Sixers game and they went down the bench. I was like, is that fucking Brad Watt? Like, I just, I didn't know he was even in the fucking league. But yeah, thank you, Golden State, for, for keeping the dream alive for Brad. <laughs> um, all right. The LA clip. Oh, right. Oh, right. Sean, what's the uh, ritual? Uh, Kelly Oubre gives one of his teammates uh, a new haircut before every game. <laughs> Uh, all right, the LA Clippers, they're six and three. They're third in the West. Sean, what is wrong with the LA Clippers? Uh, Nick Batum is currently second on the team in minutes. Uh, that's <laughs> just, uh, I mean, good for him, but also I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a believer yet. Uh, their three point shooting has been unusually good, but you know, that's probably fine. I just, uh, I, I feel like that Batum train is going to crash. <laughs> uh, Casey, what's wrong with the Clippers? Uh, every time they get near the hoop uh, on one side of the court when they're playing at home, one of the their key players slips in a pool of Steve Ballmer's sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and it just... I f- I'm worried that it, it's going to take one of them. I mean, if you lose Kawhi to Ballmer sweat... That's going to be really that's that's a that's a sad way to go out. <laughs> um, I mean, I think what's wrong with this team is that uh, like there's with the pandemic, there's no street lights or spotlights to tell which one I want to choose. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Like I'm stuck inside. Uh, I'm sheltering in place in Los Angeles, California. So <laughs> I don't know if I prefer street lights or spotlights. Um, yeah, you. The Los Angeles Lakers are six. Oh, hold on, oh, sorry. I got to give you the yeah. pregame ritual. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, one more thing I want to add though is uh, they're acting like a team for the last couple of years. They've just been like rejecting their own entire history, mm-hmm. and so every year is like Clippers year zero, and yeah. that feels like a weird way to run <laughs> the so organization. Um, the pregame ritual: uh, four simple words: Lou Williams kiss cam, and. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be incredible. Uh, all right. The Los Angeles Lakers are six and two. They're tied for second in the West. Well, I mean, they're second in the West, but, you know, they're tied for first, really. But uh, Casey, what's wrong with the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, you know, I'm just worried we're not paying enough attention to them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm afraid they might get a little they just go a little like kind of under the radar, you know, and then they won't feel motivated or loved. Um, yeah, that's that's my biggest concern. Uh, also, like, at some point, you just have to assume that, like, there's a Dorian Gray thing happening with LeBron. And it just feels like he's going to... I don't know. I feel like he's been so consistently, like, jaw-droppingly amazing for so long that he's either going to somehow be this good until he's 60 years old... Mm-hmm. Or like in the next two years, his like 
body's gonna explode like on the court <laughs> like it just like disintegrates into ash yeah. and you're like oh that's where that used to be lebron james yeah, that I think that portrait of LeBron that he has in his attic looks really old, but he's got like a full head of hair, like more hair than you <laughs> think he should have. Uh, Sean, what's wrong with the Lakers? Uh, well, Jeannie Buss has been talking about stand-up comedy constantly, mm-hmm. which is a clear sign of deep, deep depression. <laughs> so uh, that's not good for the audience. Uh, I think there's currently nothing wrong with this Lakers team, but there's going to be something wrong with this Lakers team when they all have to go to a Zoom premiere of Space Jam, A New Legacy (laughs) on HBO Max and have to pretend to LeBron's face that it's a good movie that they really liked when the mat when he dunked on the mask. Uh huh. Yeah, that's gonna like destroy the trust in the team. Yeah, because they're gonna all hear each other lie, and then they're like, "Wait a second, maybe we weren't excited about it being Taco Tuesday after all." Um. All right, and finally, your Phoenix Suns are six and two. Sean Keen, what? Oh wait, well, Sean, what are the? What's the ritual? Why do I forget every single time? <laughs> because it's a weird disconnected thing that kind of isn't really related to what we've been talking about for 90% of the podcast. That's my theory. <laughs> Sean, what is the Lakers pregame ritual? Oh, okay. Well, it's um, they they pick a different ethnic food for LeBron to do his Taco Tuesday thing <laughs> and they like run out pretty quick and so he's just yelling things like, Suvlaki Saturday! You know, in the voice and they all have to like get excited and then they they like throw a couple of them into the crowd, but yeah, and it's they can't repeat one, so they've got to come up with thirty six different alliterative ethnic foods, and like by the end, like you can tell they're really sweating about it. Um, all right, the Phoenix Suns are six and two. Casey, what is wrong with the Phoenix Suns? Uh, the The biggest issue facing the Suns is that if you're twenty minutes from Scottsdale. You're 20 minutes from an angry mob of pool supply guys at any <laughs> given time that could storm the arena if, like, yeah, uh, no one will know, stop it, them. It, we learned that. Yeah, no one. We learned that, that the, yesterday. They're gonna let them right in. Uh, no, I. So I feel like what honestly troubles me if I'm like a Suns fan is it just feels like it's all happening too fast. Like they went from dog shit. To just all of a sudden, like, the bubble and now in the beginning of the season, like, being amazing. But it also, like, when you look at their team, I'm kind of like, they could be real. Like, Cam Johnson is so fucking good. Uh, Bridges has made, like, a crazy leap. Aiton isn't even really playing that well yet and still could be a really great player. And obviously Booker and Chris Paul, like... I don't know. It's kind of weird because I've at first I was thinking like, oh, this is gonna just be a mirage. But then you look at their roster and it's like, these guys are actually pretty fucking good. Uh, but I don't know. I still, if I'm like a Suns fan, I'd be like, the wheels have to come off, uh, and I probably wouldn't believe this is real until like you know twenty five, thirty more games mm-hmm. from now. Sean, what's wrong with the Suns? Um, I think that. Eventually, a lot of these young guys are going to be frustrated by how slow they play. They're like 30th in pace. And that's kind of the 
Chris Paul method, and it is effective to slow everything down, to just accommodate the way he wants to play and try to make sure he doesn't pull his hamstring. And it's like watching uh, any kind of band when the the main guys get into like their late 50s and 60s. Like if you see Bruce Springsteen now, every song is slowed down as much as possible. And uh, that's the same thing. My father listens to a lot of uh, Grateful Dead and Grateful Dead affiliated acts. That is the main complaint about like every recording they made. Um, you know, the asterisk is that uh, there's a lot of Jerry Garcia heroin addiction period songs that are also very slow. But I think it's frustrating to the guys on the team. Like at some point, aren't Booker and Aiden going to want to not be the slowest paced team in the league? I, I think they will. I think they're going to get a little frustrated. I mean, I think before they get frustrated about the pace, they're going to get frustrated about getting yelled at every day by a little tiny uh, Julius Caesar that has the ball all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, <laughs> that, that's also a little rough. <laughs> uh, the Napoleon of basketball. Um, <laughs> I think what's wrong with this team is uh, they're still owned by Robert Sarver, so they can't get any better. They're only going to get worse. <laughs> uh, True. Everyone, yeah. Uh, and the pregame ritual is definitely Devin Booker riding around the court doing uh, like bike stunts without holding the handlebars. <laughs> and everything's going to be just fine. Well, that's our show, and that's the Western Conference. Casey, thank you so much for coming on and doing this extra long episode. Uh, yeah thanks it was fun man thanks for having me is there anything you would like to plug no i'm just a freelancer so i don't really have like sometimes an article will come out uh but if i have if you follow me on twitter at ct right pretty uh i make uh posts there sometimes that are good and and the more numbers i have there the more i'm probably gonna be able to sell my book proposal so you know if you want to do that that'd be great um Sean, did you write a song? I did. Uh, this is this is one that I wrote in conjunction with Neil Young and Gordon Hayward. Actually, uh, reflects uh, his season and the events of this week, and it's called Hayward My My. Great. Uh, as for me, you can always follow me on Twitter at Frankie Muniz, where on January first, I tweeted. Dogecoin, starting off the new year right. God, Frankie would have died if he went to the Capitol, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Trust the process. Trust the process. And uh, shut it down. Let's all figure out. Let's all recognize that there's something wrong with each and every one of us and work to fix it this year. (laughs) Bye. Pearl Jam. Never die 
There's more to this selection than meets the eye. Hey, word, my, my. And into the teal Fancy dribbling can't stop the steal I got real sad during our gender reveal Danny and Chipotle for every meal Shouts to all my friends storming the Capitol this week who had the exact same haircut and beard as me. All right, now the harmonica stylings of Big Alaska. My wife is hot, but she's not a bimbo. I've got a side photo of Rush Limba. And for your freedom, you should always risk your life. When the Boston cops are railing your wife. Fourteen words will never die Lots of my friends got pepper sprayed in the eyes Hey, word, my, my Take us home, Baked Alaska to Josh Holly, Spencer Hawes, and my main man, Ted Cruz. Hey, Ted, let's play one-on-one -on -one sometime. If my wife says it's okay. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.